Welcome to Sound the Foghorn Fansided's official San Francisco Giants podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and follow Around the Foghorn on Facebook and Twitter. Also, please leave reviews with your feedback for the podcast. If you leave a five-star review, make sure to include a question, and I will answer it alongside my guest on a future episode. I am your host, Mark DeLuke, and today I am very excited to be joined by MLB.com Giants beat writer Maria Guardado. Maria, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Mark. So I've been asking, you know, all my guests, um, especially you know the beat writers, you know, like like yourself, how was adjusting to beat writing during the pandemic? You know, what what were the the biggest challenges of kind of having to adjust to that on the fly? It was pretty difficult, I would say. Um, you know, it was a lot different from you know previous years when you know every day we would be in the clubhouse talking to players, having kind of that face to face interaction with you know everyone around the team. Um, whereas this year, you know, once spring training was shut down, uh, we really didn't have that access anymore. You know, our, all of our interviews were through Zoom. So, um, you know, it was really it, it was really kind of a, a weird change of pace for us. Um, you know, I think it was it was a little bit harder to kind of differentiate differentiate your coverage just because everyone was kind of, you know, working and writing off the same Zoom calls. You know, sometimes there were guys that you wanted to talk to, but, you know, you for whatever reason, they couldn't get them in, in, in front of the in front of the camera. So you you just kind of had to adjust. Um, and so it was really different. Um, you know, even going to the ballpark was a completely different experience just because, you know, to, to, to even get in, you have to go through a temperature check. You have to fill out kind of like this medical form. Um, you know, we had COVID testing, uh, you know, every other week. Um, so it, it was it was different, you know, <laughs> just being there without the fans and 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 having to do to kind of just watch it all unfold yeah and how work because i understood that they were they let some reporters in and kind of spaced you all out so how did how did that work were, were you guys like seated in your own section or were you like in one section with six feet apart like how'd that work out yeah i mean we kind of just had assigned seats in the press box so um you know obviously there was six feet of distance between mm-hmm. everyone um everyone had to wear masks the entire time and the Giants even had kind of the section, you know, directly in front of the press box for those who felt a little bit more comfortable being in the open air. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, 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 they tried their best to accommodate us and make us feel as safe as possible, for sure. Were, were there any things that you expected to be more difficult than they ended up being? You know, like, obviously, a lot of this, again, like, is happening on the fly, is obviously, you know, not planned for, and then people have to come up with something immediately so were there any things that it became easier to adjust to than you expected um i think one of the i guess tougher adjustments was covering um for me anyway was covering road games from home um Mm -hmm. that was something that i definitely wasn't used to you know you know that's for me one of the the best parts of the job is being able to to kind of travel and being on being on the road with the team so um you know that was that was that was hard at first but i think that you know, as as the season kind of wore on, you know, you, you you got a little bit more used to it. And, you know, I guess one of the one of the positives is that was that it actually allowed me to listen to the broadcast on a more regular basis than I usually would. So, you know, I got good dose of, of, of crook and kipe, which was nice. Yeah. So, you know, switching to the Giants on the field, you know, what surprised you most from, you know, their performance this season? I would say the biggest surprise for me was definitely the performance of the offense. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I, I, for one, definitely kind of like went into it with pretty low expectations for, for the offense, just based on, you know, how much they struggled to score runs, uh, you know, the last couple of years, particularly at home. 
Um, so it was really surprising to see kind of, you know, Donovan Solano, Mike Estrepsi continue to build their off their breakthrough seasons, then to also see, you know, some of those veterans like Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, um, you know, have these uh, pretty impressive resurgent campaigns after they kind of struggled so much uh, in 2019. Um, and, you know, I think it, what made it all even, even what made it all even more impressive was the fact that, you know, Buster Posey wasn't around and um, they were still managed to, to be, I think, one of the top 10 offenses in the majors, something like that. You know, I think Wilmer Flores was a really good addition. Um, you know, he, he ended up looking like a bargain after um, the production that he was able to, to deliver for this group. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it was just uh, pretty, pretty cool to see, uh, you know, what seemed to be like the influence of the new hitting coaches and then, you know, probably also some of the changes to the ballpark. Um, you know, with with kind of the the new outfield dimensions as a result of the relocated bullpens, and then also probably, uh, you know, the the covered archways uh, beneath the the right field um, arcade that probably uh, allowed the ball to travel a little better just because of the change in wind patterns. So I, I'm definitely curious to see if they can con- kind of sustain that and and show that it wasn't kind of those one of those you know small sample size fluky type of events. Yeah, and you know, I gotta say another name I want to put in there is. Darren Ruff, you know, I mean, Giants fans are, you know, quite familiar with bringing in vets like Flores, you know, bringing in minor league free agents like Ruff will have a good spring training, maybe even a good couple of months. But, you know, as, as you mentioned, it's really a credit to the player development. Also, the, you know, the, the people who were identifying things to work on and then obviously the coaches and players to help then execute that. But it, it really was a testament to just the depth of hitting we saw this season was just something I think no, no one really expected because, like you mentioned, it wasn't, you know, just Yastrzemski or Solano kind of building off 2019. It wasn't just Crawford and Belt kind of having, you know, obviously if it was only a 60-game sample, but if you look at, like, OPS career seasons to a certain degree. But it was also, you know, these newer guys, these someone like Wilmer Flores and Darren Ruff, and then it was Austin Slater having some something of a breakout year while he was healthy. So it was really something you were seeing just throughout the big league roster, which was quite impressive. Yeah, definitely. So looking towards, you know, the offseason, I, I guess this could technically change by tomorrow, but we're recording this Saturday afternoon. And, you know, probably the biggest news of the Giants offseason has been bringing Kevin Gaussman back on a qualifying offer. And I guess Jason Vossler signing a big league contract. Um, and we had some 40 man roster moves yesterday. But you know, wh- what do you make of what we've seen so far? Anything that's kind of caught you off guard or still kind of par for the course thus far? Um, I think it's pretty par for the course. You know, I think that, you know, it was pretty clear from, from the outset of the offseason that the rotation was going to be a priority. Um, so I think that, you know, the fact that they were able to, to retain Kevin Gosman on that, you know, one year qualifying offer is a big deal. Um, I think that they're, they're going to really need that him to be kind of that frontline um, starter uh, and really kind of holding down the rotation, um, you know, especially just given the, the struggles that Johnny Cueto kind of had this past season and, you know, kind of the the missteps we saw from Logan Webb and, and you know, sometimes Tyler Anderson. So um, I think that it, it really was a, a good development development that they were able to, to kind of bring him back. Um, you know, the Jason Bossler signing was a little surprising just on the, the fact that it was they gave him a major league deal after he, you know, he hasn't played in the majors before. Um, but he does fit their roster really well as kind of that left-handed hitting infielder who can, you know, maybe form a platoon partner with Evan Longoria if needed and also provide coverage at second and first base. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I, I kind of chatted with him earlier this week um, and, you know, he, he made it pretty clear that the Giants were really aggressive in, in targeting him 
as soon as he became a minor league free agent. And I think he had enough interest to, you know, that the Giants kind of had to give him that minor league deal or sorry, the major league deal to, to kind of lock him in. Um, so, so yeah. Um, and you know, as far as the, the 40 man moves that we saw on Friday, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there was anything that was a huge surprise. You know, there, there was some question, I guess, maybe if, if Canario, Alexander Canario would still be added to the 40 man just because he, he underwent shoulder surgery. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, he's valued enough that they really didn't want to risk losing him to, to another team in the roll five draft. Um, um, and then we saw them add, you know, three pitchers, which kind of makes sense just because a lot of their uh, top prospects are are more lean, do lean more heavily to the position player side. So I think that they, you know, really do want to protect the arms they have and the arms they feel good about. Yeah. And also, I think another thing about the Rule 5 draft, right, is it's just easier generally to stash a pitcher, you know, like a guy like Gregory Santos, for example, who, you know, hasn't really pitched in the upper minor leagues. Kervin Castro hasn't even pitched in. Um, in full season ball yet. But, you know, the thing about a starting pitcher, right, is, you know, these guys are guys sitting in the low to mid-90s already with their fastball, have pretty good stuff. Obviously, the control and feel probably isn't, you know, to the big league level yet. But, you know, a bi- a team that, say, is in a rebuild and is looking for, you know, prospects could say, you know, this guy's stuff could play up in the bullpen. We could rule five him, make him our long reliever or sort of the the, la- the, the 12th pitcher on our roster for a season and then throw him back in the minors in a year and continue developing as a, him as a starter. So I think it also made sense to see them kind of be a bit more aggressive in the pitchers, um, the younger pitchers they protected for sort of that similar reason. Yeah, definitely, totally. And, you know, we've seen, you know, you mentioned the Vossler move, which, again, it, similarly, it was one of those where at first you're kind of surprised to see a guy getting a big league deal who's never played in the majors, but then you kind of look closer and you see the roster fit. You see that... He's been in the Padres and Cubs organizations who've obviously had quite strong corner infield positions. So there hasn't necessarily been an obvious opportunity. But, you know, we've that's kind of been the story of Zaidi's tenure thus far. You know, we've seen a lot of minor moves. We've seen whether it's a waiver claim here or, you know, a small free agent signing here, maybe a, a small trade. You know, probably, I guess if we're looking at right, like the quote unquote biggest move, maybe is the Sam Dyson or what eventually became the Mauricio, the Mauricio Dubon trade. With the Brewers, do you think that's something we'll see change this offseason? Do you think we'll see kind of something that will that you know people can kind of call a big move, or do you think that's something that you know Farhan Zaidi's not in a position or doesn't feel like he's probably going to make yet? Yeah, it's interesting because you know I guess he he ha- it's true he hasn't really made like a quote unquote splash since he's taken over. Um, as the president of baseball operations uh, with the Giants. But I guess it's also also worth noting that it's not for lack of trying. I mean, he was, mm-hmm. you know, the Giants were technically in, in that Bryce Harper uh, sweepstakes a couple years ago. So um, I don't think it, it's fair to say that they're, you know, completely, you know, averse to, to, to you know, signing a, a big name or whatever. Um, but, you know, I think just given where the Giants are um, in terms of their, you know, the comp- pe- competitive cycle and just where they are from a roster construction point, um, you know, I don't know. I think that, you know, if they are going to make a big move, it'd probably be more on the pitching side. And we might have already seen it with Kevin Gosman. You know, I'm not sure unless they go, you know, unless they go after Trevor Bauer, which I guess couldn't be ruled out. But um, I think it's more likely that they'll try to do, you know, find some sort of other reclamation project, just like they have with, you know, Drew Smiley and Gosman in the past and Drew Pomerantz. Um, but just the fact that, you know, they have not really any 
openings, uh, you know, on the position player side and the fact that they still have, you know, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Bilt, Buster Posey um, under contract for one more year. Um, I think I don't know that this is the offseason that we're really going to see them kind of go after, uh, you know, kind of like a star type or whatever through free agency. I think it's more likely that they'll kind of wait to get, you know, those those contracts potentially off the books next offseason. And then maybe the, and then they'll be they'll kind of be those big players in free agency that we've seen in the past. So that's just kind of the way I view it. Um, you know, I think that they'll probably just kind of do kind of these more minor moves to kind of improve their roster um, and, and specifically focusing on the pitching side. But, you know, I, I don't know that they're going to really do something that's going to, you know, be kind of like a blockbuster move that, you know, I, I know a lot of the fans are kind of clamoring for at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it because I think in a lot of ways they're just – aren't a lot of holes on this roster on the offensive side and roster spots are going to be like really hard to come by. You know, we, we kind of saw the beginnings of that, you know, on Friday with the 40 man roster crunch where, you know, they did have to designate a few guys for assignment, you know, including Jordan Humphreys, who they just acquired this summer for Billy Hamilton and is a decent pitching prospect piece. And, you know, on the 25 man or if it's 26 or 28, however many players it is, They've done a good job acquiring that depth, and that's why, in, in some ways, I wonder if we'll see kind of the a minor move with a trade of someone like Solano, or I, I'd be surprised if it was one more Flores or even Ruff, but someone along those lines, just because, as you mentioned, there are so many of these pieces who had really good 2020 seasons, so, most of them with a limited track record, but they all are kind of limited to that left field, first base, maybe second base realm and it gets further complicated if Buster Posey's coming back and the Giants think Joey Bart will be ready next season then it's even kind of more clogged up over there yeah totally you know it, yeah I mean it, it, I kind of think about it and I feel like they're going to have a very similar team in 2020 or in 2021 uh, I think it's going to resemble very closely the team they had in 2020 except for you know there will be some changes on the pitching staff but I don't think there's going to be too much roster turnover um, just because you know they're they were happy with the performance that they got from their position players and from the offense uh and really the i think the only upgrades that that they're really gonna you know kind of focus on is going to be you know the bullpen and the rotation so um yeah i mean i just don't i you know obviously they're going to be opportunistic and if something comes up you know they they could get creative but you know i I just don't really see like a a big big move happening (laughs) yeah if if there were something to come together on the position player side and let's kind of ignore value and signings and all these things i'm just sort of curious for you where do you think the biggest hole on on the position player side is you know with because catcher obviously was the obvious one this past season but now with posey coming back and obviously you people i think reasonably expect bart to perform better if he were in that role again this season you know what where is sort of the i guess biggest weakness or biggest question on the position player side, do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, because I mean, they really got, um, pretty good offensive production out of like every, every position outside of catcher. And like you said, I mean, Posey's coming back and, you know, everyone's expecting Joey Barge to take, to continue to take steps forward. So, you know, I guess maybe third base, but that, you know, that's also, it seems like unlikely that they would try to upgrade there just because Evan Longoria is the only guy who's signed through, I believe it's 2022. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's, and he's, you know, his contract would obviously make him pretty hard to move. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's, 
I don't know, like a third base, but kind of not really, you know, maybe shortstop. <laughs> um, you know, I think there were rumors last offseason that, you know, the Giants were interested in Didi Gregorius or something like that. So I guess they have contemplated in the past trying to upgrade there, even with Brandon Crawford. Um, but, you know, outside of that, I mean, it, they, they seem pretty, pretty well, pretty well set, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. From what you saw this season, you know, I know uh, San Jose or Barry News Group Giants beat writer Kerry Crowley's been kind of on on the train that from what he saw from Mauricio Dubon this season, he thinks he should be the everyday center fielder going forward. That even if he is you know, obviously Dubon was developed as a shortstop, could probably stick on the shortstop. That given the Giants roster, it makes the most sense just to give Dubon kind of that consistency in center field. I'm curious. From what you saw this year, what were kind of your thoughts about how you would like how you would sort of think um, they should try to utilize him going forward? And on top of that, how do you think the Giants are going to approach that? It's an interesting question. Um, you know, I think that we all expected him to kind of, you know, heading into 2020, I think we all expected him to kind of move around a lot more than he ended up doing. Um, you know, he didn't really play that much shortstop this year. Um, you know, he kind of ended up toggling mostly between. Um, you know, second, and then you know, when when I think when once he kind of became the everyday center fielder, you know, I think the rest of the defense was really able to stabilize because it kind of gave, um, you know, it gave Donovan Solano an opportunity to play every day, and you know, Crawford kind of ended up working his way out of that weird platoon role that he was kind of stuck in at the beginning of the year. Um, and you know, I, think, I thought Javon looked pretty good out there um, in center field, considering you know his lack of experience at that position. You know, obviously there were some times where he kind of makes some, you know, kind of had some brain farts out there. But I think that that's something that's probably going to be smoothed out just with, with more, the more reps that he gets. Um, he definitely has the athleticism to, to stick there, I think. Um, and, you know, just considering um, kind of the, you know, what's on the way, um, you know, with Marco Luciano and, and you know, um, Will Wilson. And, you know, I feel like there there's good kind of good infield depth. Um, so, and, you know, Solano, I believe, is going to be controllable for a while, too. So I think that for him, I think that, you know, maybe it is best for him to kind of stick uh, in the outfield. Um, but, you know, obviously the Giants are, are never going to kind of ask him to to not retain that versatility. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, I think he's still going to be, you know, some sort of Chris Taylor type player where, you know, he can move between the infield uh, and the outfield. But, you know, I would expect... Um, and probably to get, you know, the majority of time in the outfield in 2021. Yeah, I also think it kind of, I mean, it, it really got complicated, or I should say, I guess, he really stopped playing in the infield and became the everyday center fielder, in part when Austin Slater's injury both put him on the IL and then he came back and couldn't play the outfield. So it also just kind of limited um, their flexibility because against a left-handed pitcher that, you know, they couldn't throw Slater in right field um, or something to that effect or yeah, left-hand pitcher. Um, Do, how do you think the Giants kind of view that platoon duo we saw early in the season um, of Alex Dickerson and Austin Slater? Because they both performed great. They both, you know, Dickerson's been a really good hitter for the Giants now the past two seasons and Slater seemed to break out this year both have some pretty strong platoon splits but both also come with and they're good defensive players but both come with you know pretty long injury histories and i'm curious what's your sense about how they feel about like are they comfortable you think going into the next season saying slater and dickerson can kind of platoon for whether it's left field or right field in an outfield spot 
or do you think they feel like they need to kind of get some insurance in there because of their their history? Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting because, you know, as you alluded to, Slater, you know, was kind of in the middle of a breakout season um, before it, that elbow injury really kind of set him back and prevented him from from playing the outfield. Um, but, you know, I, from my understanding is that he is just continuing to rehab that elbow. He doesn't need surgical intervention yet. Um, but, you know, I think that that's, that's going to be something that they're obviously going to be monitoring. Um, so, yeah, just given that uncertain, uncertainty there, I think that, you know, I, I think it probably would be worth exploring uh, some depth. Uh, although, you know, Elliot Ramos is going to be ready probably at some point in 2021. Mm-hmm. So that's also something that that's worth keeping in mind. Um, and with Dickerson, you know, it, he kind of got off to a pretty slow start this year, but then he ended up having, you know, heating up at, at a really crucial time, kind of similarly to what he did in 2019. Um, so I think that they were happy with what they saw out of him. And I think that the combo of Dickerson and, and Ruff in left field ended up being pretty effective. Um, I think there were, there were definitely times where at least once, you know, Dickerson started against a right-hander and then Homer, and then once uh, they brought a lefty in, they brought Ruff in and then he homered. So I think that they, they definitely like clicked well as a platoon. Um, and, you know, I'm curious to see what the Giants will end up doing with Ruff um, because obviously, uh, you know, they don't know yet if, if there's going to be a universal DH in 2021 like there was this past season. So that's going to be kind of a something that they're going to have to weigh when they're making those, uh, you know, decisions on whether or not to tender him a contract. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that there's still a couple of balls in the air, especially with the whole DH situation. Um, but you know, I think that the giants have, have learned that it is important to have some depth. So it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of made some, some move there to kind of shore up their, you know, their personnel and kind of improve their roster a little bit. Yeah. I think not just the DH up in the air, but roster size, right? Because we, you know, there's, you know, all sports leagues kind of handled, the pandemic, it seems, from the perspective of they took a break or paused, you know, in person, whether it's playing, practicing or offseason activities for a bit. And then they've all kind of we're going to play in 2020 with, you know. I'll say questionable restrictions, but, but you know, it's kind of testing and um, trying to kind of create protocols that, quote unquote, can limit the spread between teams, but they've all seemed to be at least outwardly. And we've kind of seen with this, with the NBA that's now planning their season in December without a bubble after running a bubble this summer that, you know, leagues have kind of seemed to be planning with 2021 to kind of be kind of a return to normalcy almost where they might even be able to have, you know, a full stadiums or close to full capacity stadiums say by, you know, next August or September for, for baseball and, you know, the realities of the pandemic, right? Like I, we saw kind of all the sports leagues working in this linear direction. We saw Major League Baseball obviously start bringing fans into the stadium during the World Series. And, you know, now you know, we're seeing, like I mentioned, the NBA come back and the NFL really hasn't done anything dramatic in response to the pandemic. And we're seeing kind of that in their cases. But, you know, there, there could be a 28-man roster again next year because, you know, they, they're sort of worried about COVID positives and being ready, or they could stick with return to a 26-man roster. And, you know, those two roster spots make a, a big difference for the Giants where they were, you know, like you mentioned, you know, Darren Ruff would start a game and then there'd be a right-handed pitcher in, in the third inning and there's Alex Dickerson pinch hitting, you know. I'm, it is interesting to see, like, how aggressive... We saw Gabe Kapler be quite aggressive, whether it was platoon splits from hitters or pitchers or with his 
willingness to pull starters and go to the bullpen early. And, you know, I'm curious to see if those rosters do move down to 26, you know, what we see from him, like how, you know, what kind of carries over from that aggressiveness, but also, you know, what things might change because of that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I am wondering too, just in, in general, like how something like the Rule 5 draft, you know, we mentioned the 40-man roster is, got set yesterday, and so the, the Giants protected a number of prospects from, you know, potentially being drafted in the Rule 5 draft. Hypothetically, they could draft someone as well. Um, they drafted Danny Jimenez last year, the year before, they drafted two players, I believe Andrew Ferguson and someone I'm forgetting about, and then they acquired, I think, Connor Joe. Um, who was another team's rule five pick. But anyway, um, Travis Bergen, I think, was the other one. Um, but do you see that being an avenue you think the Giants will pursue this year? Or do you think now that they feel, do they feel sort of better about depth that they might sort of pass from that? Yeah, I mean, you know, Farhan's been active in the rule five uh, every year since he t- he's taken over the Giants. But I, I guess one of the wrinkles now is that, you know, you know, the Giants just won't have as many kind of up-to-date looks on a lot of these guys as they would have in the past just because there wasn't a minor league season. And, you know, obviously maybe probably not all the players who, who are eligible for the Rule 5 draft were in, you know, the 60-man player pools and we're working at the alternate sites. So they probably just don't have as much information um, on a lot of the, the, the players who they would be, you know, probably interested in. So, and, and you know, obviously they have... Um, the, a full 40 man right now, although that could obviously change because, you know, the non-tender deadline's coming up on, I believe, December 2nd. So they could, you know, they could open up some spots if they choose to part with some guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting wrinkle. Um, you know, I think that they, like I said, I mean, they're not shy about using that avenue to kind of, you know, pick up guys, but, you know, none of, none of the guys that they ended up drafting uh, stuck, you know. Drew Ferguson, I uh, didn't even make it out of spring training. Uh, Travis Bergen, uh, was pretty injured, and then I think he ended up going back to Toronto, and the same thing happened with Danny Jimenez. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the fact that they do feel better about their depth makes it maybe makes it a little less likely that they kind of dip their toe into that pool like they've had in the past. But, you know, I've, you know, it, it's I think that they also wouldn't turn down an opportunity if they felt like that it was the right player. Um, yeah, so, you, oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, I think that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> Yeah, and so you know, you mentioned actually the non-tender deadline. It's something I really haven't thought about too much. Our own Jeff Young on Around the Fog, Corey Fog, up did a series looking at all the cases to to our listeners. But it has their you know looking at those non-tenders, and I, I, I'll try to pull the list up right now. But I know right, like Solano's on that, Tyler Anderson's on that, um, Darren Ruff, as you mentioned. Do you see anyone who like? I guess is there any sort of barometer that you're like that's going to be an interesting player to see if the Giants non-tender or tender like that kind of will ga- give sort of fans a barometer to see okay this is where the avenue kind of they're going this off season. Um, I, I'm curious to see what they do with Daniel Robertson, who you know is someone who would probably be hurt by you know the you know if roster spots end up dropping from 28 to 26, you know, it'd, it'd probably be a little bit harder for them to kind of find a, a role for him on their bench. So he might be someone who's kind of in danger of being non-tendered. Um, you know, even someone like Tyler Anderson, who who was, you know, fine in, in this past year and had his good good moments, you know, I think that um, he, I think he's entering his third year of arbitration. So it is possible that maybe the, 
the Giants kind of non-tender him and then try to re-sign him up to a lower, uh, kind of a lower figure like they did last year. Um, and, and you know, the rough call is going to be interesting just because the whole DH situation is unresolved at the moment. So, um, yeah, and then they have some interesting calls with some of the relievers, like I think Trevor Gott and, and Wani mm. Peralta. Um, you know, but everyone's kind of expecting um, a lot of like a, a lot of players to be non-tender just because of the whole, you know, revenue revenue losses that resulted from the pandemic and um, everything like that. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to to see how that all unfolds. I think the Giants have ten guys who are arbitration eligible, and that's that's a lot. So, um, I think that their chances are that someone gets non-tendered are, are probably pretty high. Yeah, and. To Anderson's an interesting one, as you mentioned, because I think if he gets tendered a contract, y- you kind of presume, okay, the Giants see him as someone who's in the opening day rotation as the fourth or fifth starter versus if he's non-tendered and even if he resigns at a lower number, it's, you know, I think because the estimates are around like four, four and a half, five million, which, you know, again, for a team like the Giants, everyone, we're all on the same page here, full disclosure, you know, they can easily afford that number. But doing that would suggest a level of investment, like in him in the rotation, whereas non-tendering, you know, it kind of leaves, I think, the door open for them to bring in some more competitors for that spot. Yeah, totally. I think that's a really good read on the situation. Do you see any of those free agent starters that, you know, obviously weren't on the Giants last season that, you know, Kind of because everyone's kind of doing the you know who's going to be their Kevin Galsman or their Drew Smiley this year. Has there been anyone who's caught your eye that you're saying you know that's someone I think you know Farhan and Scott Scott you know Harris or might be um, have some interest peaked in? Um, you know I think they've already been linked to to someone like Jake Odorizzi um, who mm-hmm. isn't removed from from being a really good starter in the majors. Um, you know I think he he tried he kind of tried to bet on himself by accepting that. Uh, one-year qualifying offer, but it didn't really end up working out. So, um, you know, someone like him is probably, good, you know, someone to keep an eye on. And then, you know, you kind of have a lot of those guys who who are kind of in a similar spot where they're, you know, they have pretty good pedigree, but then for whatever reason, you know, whether it be injuries or, or something else, you know, they weren't able to kind of uh, post their usual numbers like they have in the past. You know, someone like Corey Kluber, um, you know, those, those could all be guys who, who the Giants kind of end up targeting. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because we talked to, to Farhan this week and he just kind of a sort of an off-season check-in. Um, and, you know, he was kind of talking about how, um, you know, Giants feel like they're in a pretty good spot to to woo those type of guys just because, um, you know, not only could they offer him, them the opportunity to pitch in their pretty pitcher-friendly ballpark, um, but they also kind of have this pitching infrastructure that um, is, is has been pretty attractive to, to free agent pitchers in the past, you know, just, you know, the fact that they now have Brian Bannister, Andrew Bailey, um, you know, the, even the, I think the strength of that staff is, is reflected in the fact that Ethan Katz was hired by the White Sox and, you know, mm-hmm. now they're going to have to replace him. Um, so, you know, there's just, just some of the ways that the Giants might have an edge and in kind of that market, um, you know, although Farhan kind of made it clear that they're not only going to target, you know, pitchers who are coming off, uh, you know, injury wrecked or a subpar season. Yeah, that's yeah. It is kind of funny too. I think for Zaidi, like you know, you mentioned he's kind of working against that. Is, you know, he has only had two off seasons, right? And obviously, the Giants team that he took over wasn't one that was going to be, um, you know, they weren't going to be a highly desired destination for top free agents just because of the way the team, you know, had performed 
and where they were at. So I do think it's kind of interesting now too, in what is now his third off season, you know, um, we're trying to sort of figure out too, like what are trends, like what are tendencies from Zaidi and what were things that just happened to be what he did one off season because it fell into place that we're kind of extrapolating too much from. And I think another one, we talked a good amount about the starting rotation, but obviously the bullpen is kind of this weird, almost mix between the problems or not the problems, but sort of just the, the questions on the position player side where there are a number of bullpen arms that are conceivably guys who they could believe are ready to be in a big league bullpen and contribute. But there's something similar to the starting pitching side where a lot of them were at best inconsistent. Um, and at most, you know, were you know, not, you know, their, their numbers are not ones you're looking at that you want to necessarily be trusting in the sixth or even seventh or even sixth inning with a lead next season. And so sort of along a lot of what we're talking about, do you think, how do you think they kind of go about dealing with the bullpen? Are they, do you think they target kind of one of the better veteran arms like a Liam Hendricks or a Brad Hand? Do you think they try to bring in kind of a second tier, you know, Tony Watson ish type guy? Or do you think they have the confidence where, you know, they've signed some minor league free agents, maybe claim a guy on the waivers or two, pick up a non tender and kind of run it back with a lot of the same group minus Watson? I think it could be kind of a mix of, of some of those things you mentioned. You know, I think, you know, the, the Giants do want to bring in kind of that veteran leader um, now that Tony Watson is a free agent. And I think that, that that having someone with experience is important just because, um, you know, a lot of the guys that they're bringing back are, are still pretty young and still, you know, kind of developing. So, um, you know, I think that it's probably more likely that they'd go for that, you know, as you said, second tier kind of veteran type. Um and then, you know, kind of around that, maybe try to do some waiver claims, um, maybe do some minor league free agents, things like that, which they've had a lot of success with. If you look at, you know, Rico Garcia, uh, Harleen Garcia, Wandy Peralta, you know, Trevor Gott, those are all guys that were waiver claims or picked up through trades. Um, so I think that it, 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 I think that it isn't that difficult to kind of build a pretty good bullpen um, with those kind of, you know, like kind of picking guys off the trash heap, I guess, if, if that makes sense. Um, but, um, you know, especially just because relievers are so volatile, you know, I think that if you look at a lot of the multi-year contracts that were have been given out to relievers recently, you know, there there's a lot of risk there. I mean, if you look at, you know, what happened with Mark Melanson and the Giants. Um, so I think that, you know, given the fact that it's not like the the Giants are like one good reliever away from contending. You know, I think it's they're probably not going to kind of go in on 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 someone like Liam, Liam Hendricks, who's probably going to be um, you know getting a lot of interest and is probably going to get a really good payday this off season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, I I think that's a good way of putting it. And like again, it is so hard to tell in part because you know we don't know. You know, it's always so many conditionals when you're talking about free agency because. It's, you know, what does the front office think of this individual player, but also what does this individual player's market look like? You know, do they have preferences, whether it's geographical or, you know, connections to coaching staffs or front offices? And so it's always really difficult to speculate on that. And again, the bullpen is just in this weird situation where, and I actually like a number of these arms. And I think, you know, fans kind of are, you know, upset because, you know, every time there's a blown lead, fans obviously get upset with their bullpen but if you sit back and think about Harleen Garcia, Sam Selman, Tyler Rogers, 
um, Wandy Peralta, I think I'm missing a name or two in there, are all coming back next season, or at least I guess Peralta and them, some could be non-tendered, but I think all of them are likely to come back next season and all had, you know, solid seasons. But it is one of those things where it's like, it would have been nice to have a Liam Hendricks or Brad Hand. And so you wonder how this front office kind of goes about that team building. And you mentioned kind of the, the contending question that's kind of hanging over this offseason heading into next year is, you know, Zaidi's been kind of more willing to say that the Giants feel closer to contention than they have before. In his first two seasons, he was very kind of not dismissive of the question, but very much kind of along the lines of, you know, we just want to play competitive baseball for as long as we can. And then, you know, this this past end of this season, he was mentioning the word playoffs kind of for the first time. Where do you where do you see this Giants team in its competitive window? Yeah, I mean, I think that, it, you know, I think one of the big questions is going to be, you know, whether expanded playoffs are going to be back next year, mm-hmm. just because if there aren't expanded playoffs, then. I think that their path to the postseason looks pretty tough just because they're going to have the Dodgers and the Padres in their division. And I think that there still is a pretty big talent gap between those two teams and the Giants. So, um, you know, I think that if, if, if there is kind of an expanded pl- uh, playoff pool like there was this year, I think that it definitely becomes much more realistic um, for them to, to kind of be in that hunt. Um, you know, they only, they only fell one win short this year, you know, despite everything that happened. Um, which I think was it was pretty good, pretty impressive, um, you know, and some, something that no one, I guess, really expected from them. Um, so I think that they're definitely going to be kind of hungry and motivated uh, to once again kind of defy those expectations. And, you know, I think the fact that, you know, Buster Posey, Brandon Bill, Brandon Crawford are going to kind of be potentially entering the, the final year of the contracts, you know, maybe they'll be a little bit more motivated to, to kind of uh, you know, lead this team back to the playoffs and back into October, uh, where a lot of them have kind of forged their legacies with this franchise. So, um, you know, as it stands, like I said, it's looking a little tough, but I think that if, if there are going to be expanded playoffs, I think that, you know, it, it becomes a, a much more realistic for the Giants. Mm-hmm. What, what are you most curious to see play out personally with the team next season? Probably what I just mentioned, just kind of mm-hmm. the, you know, the return of Buster and then, you know, seeing... Uh, Belt and Crawford in their final year of their contracts just you know they obviously represented like a really uh, successful era for this franchise and you know now that kind of might be winding down and and kind of transitioning into a new era so I think that that kind of that you know this weird kind of transitional phase between you know the the past and and, and the present and the future and I think it's kind of an, an interesting crossroad crossroad for the team definitely well uh, Maria, thank you um, for taking the time to join me today. Um, is there anything you want to tell the listeners to check out from the work, the great work you've been doing over at MLB.com? I not really. I mean, if you want to read my work, it's at MLB.com/slash/giants, <laughs> but that's about it. <laughs> All right, that is MLB.com San Francisco Giants beat writer Maria Guardado. You can follow her on Twitter at mi underscore Guardado. That's G U A R D A D O. And obviously, keep up with her work there and at MLB.com. If you want to stay up to date on all Giants news and rumors, make sure to stay tuned to AroundTheFoghorn.com. This has been the seventh episode of Sound the Foghorn. I am your host, Mark DeLuke. You can follow me on Twitter at M-A-D-D-E-L-U-C-C-H-I. Thank you 
um, for joining us. We also want to send our best wishes out to everyone during this trying time. And I do want to implore everyone this Thanksgiving week to stay home and distanced as much as possible. I know how hard it is right now and how wonderful it would be for all of us to spend some time with our friends and family. But we have to value the safety of ourselves, our families, our friends and others. Taking precautions is hard right now, but it will only make things harder if we don't continue remaining diligent um, with COVID-19. Thank you very much for joining us uh, on the seventh episode of Sound the Falcorn. Go Giants, stay safe, and have a wonderful week.